You're listening to Pre-Cana with the Pope, a podcast aimed at restoring confidence in marriage and family life. Hey there, everyone. This is Monica, and welcome to episode 65 of Pre-Cana with the Pope. In today's episode, we talk about how we are all tantruming toddlers. Together, we discuss the shame we can experience when being vulnerable, the hope that our marriage can bring to being more fully ourselves, and the real good news of intimacy with Christ. We're so happy you're here with us. Let's jump in. So, you know what's exciting is that you don't really know what we're going to talk about, and I don't know what we're going to talk about. So this is great because you're just, this is my brain. <laughs> like I have ideas. I'm just an idea person. Um, but so first, we had a great interview a couple of days ago with um, Melissa and Alex from Saints Alive. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be releasing that episode next month um, just because we're trying to be disciplined. Uh, we released two interviews back to back because we were being uh, destroyed by a stomach virus. And not personally, but like our children. Yeah. And just so our banked uh, interviews came in handy and we got to release them one after the other. They were, they were great, though. Dr. Bruinger and Father Gallagher um, got a lot of interest in I, it, which makes me happy because they are so they're so good. Oh, they're so special. Right. Like it's I'm happy that we granted they like they have they don't need us to like get them out there. But um, I think that we were able at least to connect them with different audiences, maybe people who haven't heard them before, or mm-hmm. at least people who needed to hear them at that time. Mm-hmm. Like That makes me super happy. So I'm really excited for the um, Saints Alive interview as well. Yeah. Um, but one thing that came out in that episode, um, that was like, it was like a small, tiny part, but I, it just, I really, it just resonated with me and I thought we should bring it up and, and then let's see where the conversation goes. Um, but during the interview, um, Melissa and Alex's baby was crying. Yeah. Um and I loved it. Yeah. So much. Like I I was like, "Oh, that's baby so cute. Let the baby cry. I don't care. My my time is worth nothing. Like let the baby cry." I didn't want to like rush the interview and I didn't want to I don't know. Um and I I know what the feeling is like though when like you want to get a thing done and your kid is screaming. Mm-hmm. It's like whether it be at mass or you're like, I don't know, at the, the grocery, the store. grocery store that we haven't been to since 2020. Um but like just <laughs> yeah. Any, just anything you're waiting in line at, at, at the bank, which we also don't do, but like you're, you're like waiting for a thing and you're trying to get a thing done and your kid starts screaming. Um, I remember, I know the, like the embarrassment and shame you feel of like, just shush, like stop mm-hmm. talking, stop making noise. Like, like seem like you know how to be a person for a few minutes so that I can get this thing done. Um, and now I, and I also know that when other people's kids start crying, I never like uh, feel like judgmental and like, Oh, look, no. they can't control their kid. Like I love. Yes. little kids look I at love. them being a kid yeah yeah yep. yeah or, or like i'll look at them annoying their parents like this is so cute like i <laughs> i love it um but i think that we all like i think we've all felt that like like shame of like oh my kid should behave better um and not just and i think this is a so i'm going to tell you how i feel and then you tell me if this is a accurate statement of human um like of just a human experience but i think that a lot of times we feel we feel very badly when our kids don't act up, don't act the way that we wish they they would, even around people that we know love our kids. Mm-hmm. Like we still have this like, oh, I wish my kid was better, and, and not not a fully fleshed out thought of like 
they are a reflection of me, but more of just like, why can't my kid behave the way I want them to right now? Mm-hmm. And then like, you just get embarrassed. And, and I think that's a very universal thing with parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's these moments of like, fear of being out of control of the situation in that moment because you're just like, just like be quiet because everything else is quiet. Like that you just kind of want them to blend with the, with the current environment and they're standing out or you feel like they're standing out. So you, you worry about how other people are perceiving and you yourself are just, you're in a rush or you have these like plans of this is how I expected this to go. This is how I wanted it to go. And now it feels like, everything is deteriorating and you have no way of salvaging the situation and you, yeah, you feel this feeling of embarrassment and shame, like all eyes are on you and there's nothing you can do about it. And it feels a little bit like, I don't know. I almost feel like it's, it's the cliche dream where you're like on stage in front of an audience in your underwear. Right. And like, you're just like, "Ah, how did I get here? This isn't the way it was supposed to go. Um, and, but like to your point, that's not really how other people feel. Like it doesn't, they they don't feel bothered or put out by, I mean, I guess every once in a while there's a grouchy person, but like when you, when your kid is acting up, uh, most people don't care. At least we don't. Like we definitely, we didn't when we were, when we were chatting with Alex and Melissa and, um, and like if our friends feel that way about their kid like we feel the opposite we kind of are like oh yeah you're you're comfortable enough to be fully yourself here in this moment and i just work yeah like it's fine um but somehow when the tables turn and it's our our situation we're like uh yeah and i i so that like that's what i was thinking about of like just extrapolating that like that instance to really anything related to marriage and family life, but just like, or ourselves as individuals, I think there's a lot of struggles that people have that they're afraid to voice because they feel like similar to that, like they feel exposed by sharing them. So like, um, for, for example, I think people would assume that because we have a marriage and family podcast, like, Oh, their marriage must be perfect. And like their family must be great. And like, no, they also haven't listened to any episode apparently because (laughs) I feel (laughs) like we try to share that. But still like, I think that we get messages and people are like, Oh, like, thank you so much. And like, yeah, no, we struggle with the same things that even, even like we have the, the amazing capability of being able to share advice on a podcast and then still not take our own advice (laughs) and do things like, yeah, we probably should not have done that. Um, and but like I, th- I think that there's there's a tendency for ourselves for us as people to like isolate ourselves and feel it, it like isolate insulate like to to create a barrier of ourselves and like still still show a mask of like this is what my life is like so like we might be struggling with our marriage and I think this is very true that people struggle with their marriages for example or like say they're married and like okay this whatever situation like this sucks marriage sucks right now hmm. and and you feel ashamed for feeling that right like that's your crying kid. Because I remember, like, there would be times where, and you tell me if this is sharing too much, but whatever, I don't care. But like, I remember <laughs> there was there, was, there was times like earlier in our marriage where you would just be like, "I don't like this. Like, this is I don't enjoy being married right now." And not like you wouldn't have worded it that way, but maybe you should have. But like, there was things you didn't enjoy, and I don't know if you ever talked to anybody about it. Mm. What say you? Well, I think. Um, I have mixed feelings about what you're saying right now. Good. Um, and like, also, and hopefully, it goes 40 minutes long, and it's good. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, there is some level of 
like keeping keeping private things private like what's happening in your marriage isn't supposed to be like aired out for everybody to see um or like overshared too you know like who do you let who do you let into those moments and stuff like i i don't know or are you well, saying no, like just a, even between ourselves like well, sharing a, i think there's a there's a, there's no i think you're you're right in that there's like degrees to it okay but number number one i'd say if you're not even if you aren't considering telling other people, most likely you have to acknowledge it within yourself and you mm-hmm. have to acknowledge it with your spouse. And then like, I think I know that there might be like a pendulum where like you just gossip to everybody. Like that's not right. the point. Well, and I think that there are definitely people that use that almost as their mask or their defense mechanism is that they like overshare so that nothing can hurt them. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just going to share everything because you probably know it already or, or what? Like they just, they, they, tell too many people too many Mm -hmm. things but i think that's still like yeah their wall Mm -hmm. like i'm gonna overshare so you can't actually pinpoint the thing that really you can't find the wound because you just see so many right problems yeah Um, i I think but i i would i would say though that the the more most people don't like the even the overshares they overshare the things that they're comfortable yeah. oversharing like i think most most of us carry our, the things that we struggle with within us and i'm not like talking about like super deep wounds of anything i'm saying like um like oh summer's coming and i struggle a little bit with my weight and like that's just like a thing that we're like oh that that's harmless so we just kind of hold it within ourselves mm. but the problem is that like i i forgot where we heard this recently but like it's like a like death by a death by a thousand cuts. Like it's just who said that we were interviewing somebody and they said that. Mm, I don't remember. Was it? Okay. Well maybe it was in, Sorry. in a dream where I was. Mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. No, but like that's it. I think what we do is we have these little tiny struggles here and there. And because they're like, they seem silly. It's our crying kid. And like, ah, let's just, let, let's just get this out of the way. Cause it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Yeah. And what we do is we hold on to them and we never voice them to people. And we end up in, 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 then in a year or two years, whatever we end up in like our own, um, like in, insulated box of like these are all the things I'm carrying and no one knows about. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Um, and I, that's that's kind of what I was thinking because like we're so ashamed that like if we let someone know that like it, it there's it, you know it's it's a it's a ding in my armor or whatever. It's like it's like our kid crying. Like this is a this is a shameful thing. I don't know what to do about it. So let me just stuff it over here. Mm-hmm. Don't do that to your child. But like, <laughs> but like so. Like the one, and I'm not going to say the whole thing, but like the one thing you, you like you recently shared about your, your own a body image thing that like I, w- I th- didn't know you, you had that, you struggled with that. And yeah. I was just like, that's, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And you wonder why I didn't share it before. <laughs> no, but more of like, it, like similar to the crying kid of like, I don't even perceive you even like remotely close like that. Yeah. Right. And like it's it, to, to me. One, well, not to me, but like one thing humans do is the reason we, we use language and, and communicate to each other is that it's a way of processing through a situation that we can only see through one one side. Mm-hmm. And like by by discussing, like that's why people go to therapy, you discuss things, not so the therapist gives you information, but so that you discuss it and yeah. you unpack it like so you, you can see it, it yeah. correctly. But what we do is we don't do that. We don't talk to people. We just hold this within ourselves. Yeah. Especially with, with social media. We're more likely to put the good things out there than keep all the little things to ourselves. Right. And I think a lot of that, too, you were saying is that it doesn't feel big enough. Like, it doesn't feel worth sharing. Like, you are just like, ah, I'll just, you know, brush it off. And then, um, <laughs> like, it makes me think of, it makes me think of the other day we moved furniture around. And there was so much mess under the couch. 
like so many. To- and I like, and I, not that I saw every toy roll under or every wrapper make its way under there, but there were a lot that I was like, I'll get that later. And then you finally move the couch and you're like, oh my goodness, there's so much under here. And I keep thinking of that image with this where you're like, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And, and you, and you genuinely for some of these things feel that way. So for the example, like the body image thing, like it's not something that I think about all the time, but like every once in a while, I was just like, ah, you know, I feel insecure in this way. Um, But yeah, I never like expressed that to you. And I didn't, I think my reasons for that were like varied, like, ah, that's just the way it is. Like, that's just the way my life is. And then also like, why would you care? You know, so why share that with you? Um. And not in like a, not in a like derogatory way, but just it didn't seem necessary to bring up. Um, But to your point, like if you keep not, then eventually it becomes a thing. And the person that you share it with or even yourself, you're like, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why is, why is this bothering me so much? So uh, going back to like the kid example with your child, like, that one incident wasn't a big deal, but then eventually you start to feel like I can't bring my kid out in public mm-hmm. or, you know, I need to avoid these certain situations. I can only go and do do these things and like, or you start apologizing ahead of time. Like you're like, oh, I'm sorry, they're two, you know, like they can sometimes be loud. I hope they don't bother you. And you're like, they're, they're mm-hmm. just being two. Like that's just, that's just it. Um but I think to your point, like, I, I like what you're saying, though, that like, if we're not going to acknowledge that within ourselves and also not bring our spouse into this situation, then we're, we're limiting, we're, we're, um, we're dwarfing, like how much we can know about ourselves and how intimately we can know ourselves and intimately we can know our spouse by putting these things under the couch and just leaving them there. Well, there's, I think there's a lot, and this is a cultural thing, because I don't think this is. Like we talked about super early in our early episodes of being about being ask culture versus guest culture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think, th- and these are all generalizations that I'm probably wrong about. But like I think as I've as never heard you say that that I'm probably wrong. Yeah, I'm probably probably not though. But no, <laughs> there it is. There <laughs> it is. But I I I would I would argue that that more um, affluent communities would 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 uh have more people be guest culture right like you're expected to act a certain way and to not not ruffle feathers um and then you get like some people who end up being asked so like i know that my family personally did not grow up super super well off so like being being lower class i think there's there's more likelihood of being like i need a thing i'm gonna tell you i need it um and I think what happens is that when we get like you know we get to a point in our in our lives where like we 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 know how people act and we have friends and we know how we're supposed to do things. I think everyone just becomes very guest culture because that's what's, what's expected. You have to be nice. You have to be polite about things. So like, so that means I, I can't burden you with things. So I can't burden you with things I, I need. I can't burden, burden you with things that you did against me that bother me or, or like a thing that this other person said to me that bothered me. Cause like it, it, it all is seen as like a needy thing. Does that make sense? Mm. Am I making sense? You're making sense. I don't know if I fully understand the, classification that you gave at the beginning but because like so uh, so i and maybe this is just because of like the kids i remember growing up with when i was young Mm. like we all acted that way so like if you needed to get a thing 
like you went for what you needed. Okay. Right. And because you like if you said it and if you, you didn't just did say it. it or you just, or you stole it because like if you <laughs> didn't just go get it, like mm-hmm. someone else was going to do it. So mm-hmm. like you, you couldn't just sit back and, and no one's going to think to give it to you. No. And no one's yeah. going to be, there's no, no, nobody's talking about fairness. You're not going to get an adult who actually is involved and is like, Hey mm-hmm. guys, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Whereas I feel like if you have in, in different, um, socioeconomic situations like there's there's more oversight there's an explanation of how things ought to be kind of like we do it here mm-hmm. like we do at home like our kids aren't raised the way I am I was so like you get them that are all super nice to the point that they're playing sports and like can, can you can you try hard <laughs> be and, aggressive a right. little bit <laughs> so like so like that's yeah. the so sorry so maybe that confiscation is is also wrong I don't know um but but my, sorry my, my main point being that I think that at least in the way that our um, most of our culture is, um, we are expected to be nice about things, and we are yeah. expected to to not ruffle feathers, not expected to be burdens on people. Um, I think like there's there's this expectation to like to blend for all of mm-hmm. us to kind of just blend together, so that you know that you don't stand out as you use the word needy or, um, or even like necessarily outspoken or. Um, like overly opinionated or judgmental, you know, and like you kind of just try to, um, well, it makes me think, (laughs) this is probably why I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying because I am codependent, but it sounds very codependent to me. I'm starting to to see see a pattern here, but we are so worried about other people and like making sure that they feel comfortable and that like we're not a burden on them and that we don't, um, upset them or, um, so that we all, so then we kind of all just like assume this mild role so that, um, yeah. And then, and then like your social interactions kind of just become the same. Every time you see people, you talk about the same three topics that, you know, are, you know, are, are going to have a polite conversation and then you just move on. Um, and I do think that there's a lot of, marriages that are like that though where you're like i'm just not going to talk about that because it's it becomes an uncomfortable conversation or it becomes a conflict or it becomes i think um you know one of the things that i'm thinking of when we were working on this in a marriage of like saying say bringing up these little things is that i was always so worried that it would become a fight like that i'm not saying this to like offend you i'm just trying to like let you know how i feel because the way you're behaving i don't think you have bad intention but this is how i'm receiving it but i was always so worried that you were thinking i was going to be overly critical that i wouldn't bring it up Mm. that's a really good point no i i would argue i i like i like that point um that for a lot of marriages becomes that but i I would con- I would ask for everyone to consider all the relationships and see like and 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 consider um are all my relationships like relationships mm. like that like if somebody does something that I don't like do I do I even say something or do mm-hmm. I just let it roll off because it's not that big of a deal are you like yes. are you the person who's like I asked for extra bacon on this but you know it's not a big deal like yeah, I, yeah. I have two strips yeah, like yeah. no you asked for like and the, remember Pam's thing wherein she um Pam like we know her <laughs> at, in the office when she the like bees. When, she, when Pam Beasley asked she um I forgot if, I think it's after her and Roy get back together or kind of like and she asked for two specific type of beers they give her the wrong thing she's like mm-hmm. no I asked for this mm-hmm. but like initially she was just gonna be like oh whatever and right. I think a lot of us are in that right and that's like you were saying what we were saying earlier earlier like that's a dangerous place to be in because though everything is nice like you're not 
you're you're not getting better. Your relationships aren't getting better. They're not actually intimate. Yeah. And you're just kind of coasting. You challenged me the other day because a like a friend situation came up, and um, and I was just like, oh, I just I didn't love it, but I kind of let it go because one because I wasn't part like part of the original situation, and then I kind of got brought into it later on, um, and then I didn't respond quick enough. Like I didn't respond with my initial reaction and feeling. So then it kind of felt like. Well, it's been too long, so I can't really say anything now because then it makes it sound worse than it really is because I've been festering on it. But I really hadn't been festering. It's just like I still just had the same feelings I did before. And you're like, you have to say something. And I was like, no, I don't really have to say anything. It's fine. No, you have to say something. And I finally did. And I was really glad because it (laughs) went really smoothly. And, you know, the friend was like, no, I see what you're saying. I kind of agree, you know, and then we just moved on with life like Mm -hmm. it. I think too, sometimes we don't bring up these things because we're like worried about, I guess this situation didn't necessarily have like a solution. Like it was just like, I was just kind of sharing how I felt. So it's like, I don't know what the point Mm -hmm. is. Like, what am I, what am I looking to get out of this? And really the point is just so that the other person knows how you feel. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think that we're in a very like, I want to fix everything so that no one is upset and like everything's fine. And, Mm -hmm. but like, no, we can kind of just share so that like moving forward, you just know where I stand on this, you know, you know how I feel. So I saw a meme, um, in, uh, on Instagram and it was a tweet from a, a boomer. Like the, 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 (laughs) did you say, have you seen it? Like the, you sent it to, can you read it actually? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the meme said millennial dads have pathetic DIY skills compared to baby boomers. And then the response was, maybe, but at least I have the emotional capacity to tell my daughter I love her. Yep. And so like, I think the, <laughs> I think a big part of why most of people our age, most millennials struggle with like voicing how they feel mm. is because it hasn't been modeled. Right. Like if it, and, and, or you have the opposite, who is me, who like, it was modeled to a very unhealthy degree <laughs> of like, I need to tell you immediately. Like my dad and I arguing right after the soccer game. Oh my goodness. But like, in I front of everybody. I don't care. But see, that's the problem. Like I, I will voice what I think and I don't care how angry <laughs> you get. Like know. I'm telling you what I think. And he doesn't either. He doesn't so it's either. great. <laughs> so it looks, like, but, but like, it looks like we're fighting, but we're not. That's just the way we no, talk. Because then, because then like we get, we finally make it to the car, which feels like forever because <laughs> the tension there's no tension. I, there is no tension between you two, but Monica just <laughs> Monica just carries all of the tension. And then we get there and you guys do your like your like handshake, bop bop, <laughs> beep bop bop bop, peace, like and then you kiss each other on both care. cheeks and then you're yeah. like, see you tomorrow. <laughs> I yes. But like and that was but again, that's that's how we that's yeah. how I grew up. And like I just yeah. so well, I, and I grew up in like a different situation. Like I grew up a lot of times being like your dad's almost home. We need to stop behaving this way. Mm. Like, because he's had a long day. Don't act like this anymore when he gets home because then he's going to be frustrated. And Mm. it's like, everybody shape up, clean up the house. Dad's about to be home. And we're all going to pretend that we were happy all day long. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that was, 
that was definitely the message that we got pretty often. Or my mom would be like, no, we're not going to ask him this. You know, like maybe it was like plans for the weekend. It could have been something simple or it could have been a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I really want to have this conversation with my parents. Like, oh, no, we have to wait and see how his day went before we mm-hmm. can bring that up. And right. um, or we'll ask him. We'll ask him tomorrow. And we and then tomorrow never came a lot right. of the times, you know, so which I think is a very typical experience for again for millennial kids yeah. like that's that's what we we live with so like now we have so like you're saying like you don't know why you felt so weird about bringing up a thing to a friend but like you most likely most of your life you never did that mm-hmm. like you just didn't bring things up because you're like mostly because like i'm gonna bring this up and i don't know where it's gonna go is yeah. it gonna be a fight are you gonna be okay with it like is everyone gonna get mad at me right like, and and if you grew up all the time doing that like this is uncomfortable but I think in our pursuit of holiness, see, like we're bringing God into it because this is a Catholic podcast. But like, no, because in our pursuit of holiness, I think a lot of us still struggle with little things. Um, And I'm not talking about sins, but more of just like living out the reality of our faith. And we never voice like the tiny bumps in the road Mm -hmm. and and not voicing them in a way of like, I need spiritual direction on this. But like, I like you're not meant to just carry the entire cross on your own. Mm -hmm. And we aren't like there's people in our lives that we should be voicing things to and we don't. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of push you to like, hey, you're going through this. I know you just told me, did you text this person? Mm-hmm. And and just simply because like I know that you're you have people in your life that love you and care for you that aren't me. And I and it's important that you lean on them as well mm-hmm. and not just me. Yeah. Not that I'm 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 a strapping young man that can carry <laughs> plenty of things. Carry lots of crosses, lots of loads. Right. But but yeah, no, I you're right. Because again, we are like, I don't want to burden them. I don't want them to think differently of me. And going back to what we were saying at the beginning, it's not really that big of a deal. But you know what? Like if we want our friendships to be intimate, then they they should know those things about you because that's just, that's a part of your intimate life. And to to then like take that from outside, like take it out from inside of you and to share that with somebody else. It also like sorts things out a bit because sometimes it could feel like a bigger deal to your own head, but then you like say it out loud and you're like, oh, okay, that's like, that's okay, you know? Um, But I also think that like this problem goes even further that that's the way our prayer life goes. Like how many things, I mean, God, because we can write it off as God knows everything. God knows my heart. God knows how I feel. But like, are we actually bringing these things to him and like bringing our requests and bringing our loads and bringing our shame, bringing our embarrassment to him? Or are we filtering the way that we communicate with God as well? Um, And like, I've become a much, much firmer believer in how intimately and uniquely that God loves each of us because he created us to be our own person, right? Like we believe that we are, we are special and we are, there's unrepeatable, no one else is like us. And because he created us that way, the things that bother us and things that bring us joy are going to be different from other people. And he wants to be involved in that. And he wants to respond to us uniquely and unrepeatably and differently like he wants to speak very precisely to the things that you desire and the things that hurt you and he wants to heal those things like specifically in his own relational way to you with him um and i think that if we're going to not be intimate with him then it's impossible for him to be intimate with us because we haven't 
we haven't allowed that. We haven't invited him and he's not going to force himself on us. Well, and I think most of the time, um, in, in my experience, so and like, and this is in my own personal life and then the people that have, um, opened up to me that the biggest struggle with, with having intimacy with God for some reason begins with like this back to the, the, the analogy of the, the crying baby of like thinking that like I'm burdening God or like he's, he's, he's going to be annoyed with me or he doesn't, you know, he doesn't love me because of these things that I'm doing or because of my lack of faith or my lack of understanding. Um, very, very basic things that like most of us know better. Like we, we mm-hmm. intellectually know, like, I'm not going to burden God. Like you can't, I, I already killed him with my sins. Like I'm not burdening him anymore. <laughs> but like for some reason, like we still don't either, either it's, and I, I have my own theories of like, it's because we don't feel like he loves us. So therefore, if we don't feel it, we think it's it's untrue, or we 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 have a hard time um, fully embracing it. Um, but I I I've just seen that that be a big barrier of just like I don't feel like I'm lovable, mm-hmm. um, and it's it is such a simple um, I don't know it's it's like you could similar to the baby thing like it's silly like no of course I love you, but like I and this is for my own thing like I'll still feel like man but like if I, if I really loved you the way I should, I would be doing these things and I'm not, and I know better. Like, how do you still love me? Mm. And like, just being, just sitting with that. And like, you know, I, I start, I, I struggle with the kids. I struggle with Monica. I struggle with, you know, whatever it is. And I know better and I'm not doing it. You know, I don't know how you love me. And then because of that, the prayer stops there. Like it doesn't keep going on Mm. like, let like really unloading my heart, but just like, I'll give you enough surface level stuff that I'm comfortable with. And then I'll leave with the question of, I don't know how you do thank you. See you tomorrow. Like that, mm-hmm. the prayer can be with that, or it could really be show me like you start now, now God here and here's permission. You search my heart. What is holding me back? Like there's, there's mm-hmm. a deeper level to that. Um, but yeah, so I think similar to our friends, like you could, you could, uh, or, or each other, like we could say like, Hey, I'm struggling. I use the body image thing. Like I'm struggling with this body image thing. Yeah. And then like, we could even have a, we can have a conversation about it or I can just gonna say it and leave it alone. Yeah. But that's, I mean, and we, we pray the way we communicate with other people and things too. And we could be so vague, like I'm really struggling with my motherhood. I'm being very impatient. Okay. Ugh. Welcome to motherhood, right? Like that's just, that is a general feeling of every mother on the face of the earth, right? That mm-hmm. it's a struggle sometimes and I can be impatient instead of like letting other people and letting God into like, I yell, Mm-hmm. Or I, um, I scroll on my phone too much. I have to have a glass of wine every night just to like relax. Or you know, like like picking the specific like I, here is my struggle, and it is it is affecting this part of my life. And like, well, see, like letting even deeper than that, like so I scroll on my phone phone too much, and it's affecting how how I communicate with the kids or like mm-hmm. I'm and I need to have a glass of wine every night and it's because it's the only way I can calm down because I'm constantly stressed like there's mm-hmm. so like there's the even deeper than that right, like, right. like and and I I think those connections are so hard to make just within ourselves because like we we don't know why we do what we do half yeah, the time right, like, right, right. And, and like and I think I think like going to whatever specifics you are able to articulate in prayer with your spouse with a trusted friend because they know us intimately, they can, they can be a mirror for us, or they can be like, they can help us investigate. They could be like, well, yeah, it's because of this, and you're like, 
what? I didn't even know, you know, or they can ask probing questions to make you think deeper because sometimes we just shut down at like, I scroll too much and I don't know why. I look at porn and I don't want to, but I don't know what, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I do these things. I drink because I, I play video games, you know, for hours and I don't know why. Well, bring that to prayer, bring that to your spouse, bring that to a trusted friend and like, like be willing to be, ex- be willing to be the the toddler having a tantrum, like be exposed a bit and allow other people to love you because like you're, you're not bothering, right? Like, like we're, we're the audience to this toddler's tantrum and it's like, it's fine. Like I, I'm not bothered. Well, like, like allow other people to do that for right. you. And even if they can't give you probing questions or any comfort, but like at least it's another person who who can who in least in that moment can see you and know you. Yeah. And then love you. Yeah. And then that goes back to your feeling unlovable because most because we are the body of Christ, most of the time if you if you have people in your life who are able to love you in those really dark, messy moments, you're more likely to believe that God loves you too. Mm. Right. I know that, um, again, from personal experience of being able to walk with people, like a lot of times, um, I've been told that because of like, whatever, there's things in youth ministry and I don't want to share names, but, but being able to be a consistent person of like, yeah, you keep telling me you're garbage. And mm-hmm. I'm not judging you. I absolutely love you. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep working on this. You're going to do great. Just being able to affirm people, like they've been able to then, their hearts have softened to be like, all right, mm-hmm. maybe God does love me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, you are giving yourself that opportunity to receive that by mm-hmm. sharing with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, like, uh, as a spouse or a trusted friend, like, when you have people bring these things to you, like, maybe it's your it's your husband bringing something to you or a friend, like, that that quiet presence is okay, too. Like, because I think for me, sometimes I get, like... <gasps> I want to say the right thing. I want to make sure that they know that they're loved. And like, I, I, I get a little anxious in the situation, like trying to do the right thing. But like, to your point, like maybe it's just, maybe that's what your spouse needs right now is for them to just be able to say it. And Mm -hmm. you just still love them. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's funny that, um, you had no idea we were going to talk about, and I didn't really know what we were going to talk about, but in, in the direction that you kind of moved it along in is, in line with the JP2 quote that I just sent you that we're going to read or that we, that you're going to read because I mumble and stumble. Um, so this is from uh, Redemptorus Hominem, Hominus. Oh, Robbie's not going to like my lack of Latin. Um, <laughs> Colby's judging it too, actually. He's been practicing. Hominus. He's been Hominus? practicing his Latin. Um, paragraph 10, not paragraph text, section 10, part 10. Um, so this is from one of my favorite quotes from JP2, though. Um, the beginning of it, I think most people know, is that man cannot live without love. He becomes a being uh, that is incomprehensible to himself. Uh, his life is senseless if love is not revealed to him, if he does not encounter it, if he does not experience it and make his own. Love that quote. Um, because later on it says that um, th- that's why uh, Christ reveals man, fully reveals man to himself. And like I've loved that idea, um, especially bringing that to prayer and asking God to reveal me to myself. Um, and asking him to search my heart, search the things that I'm struggling with and really bring them up so that I can, um, so they can be healed so I can learn more about myself so I can function better, um, to, to, as a husband, father, but also to bring about, um, the kingdom and to share the gospel. But later on in this quote, um, JP2 really writes about how, how we can let God in and how we can, um, 
come to know ourselves even more. And I think that's kind of what we were talking about in this, this whole episode about like in the sharing of ourselves, there's also like a, a having to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. All right. So St. John Paul the Great says, the man who wishes to understand himself thoroughly and not just in accordance with immediate partial, often superficial, and even illusory standards and measures of his being, he must be with his unrest, uncertainty, and even his weakness and sinfulness, with his life and death drawn near to Christ. He must, so to speak, enter into him with all his own self. He must appropriate and assimilate the whole of the reality of the incarnation and redemption in order to find himself. If this profound process takes place within him, he then bears fruit not only of adoration of God, but also of deep wonder at himself. How precious must a man be in the eyes of the Creator if he gained so great a Redeemer? And if God gave his only Son in order that man should not perish, but have eternal life. I love JP2 for quotes like this. Um, and then whoever the English translator was for not adding a single period <laughs> in between there, just to make it a little easy to read. Um, but the beginning, I, I really liked, uh, again, this is mid-quote after talking about how God reveals man to himself. Um, but th- those of us that wish to understand ourselves thoroughly and not just in accordance with immediate, partial, or often superficial, or even illusory standards and measures of being. So like, and that's like, that's all the stuff that we that we were just talking about. Like we have these rules. Um, and I've said this to Colby, actually, we were, we were practicing a little soccer after his game today and he did a particular move. And I was like, why do you do it like that? And he's like, well, that's the way you're supposed to do it. I was like, says who, like, why are you like, why are you in a box on the way you do this particular move? Like, this is a silly example, but I think for most of us, like we've created boxes of how we're supposed to act and how things should be and how we should be. Um, and those standards aren't real. Mm. Like they're not, they, they are, they don't, they're not divinely inspired. They're just things that we've come, we've gotten used to acting in certain ways. So like we've gotten used to not bringing things up to people, not sharing how we actually feel, not, not um, advocating for ourselves, um, not being completely honest in prayer. And because, and, and we'll say, and I've, I've run into this before too, of people being like, well, that's not what God wants to hear from me. Or like, you know, God isn't interested in those kind of things or, you know, my friends, you know, I don't really care that much, whatever. Um, and we've created false standards for ourselves and we, we hold on to them without realizing we're doing that. Mm. And that's why a lot of us is unknown. Mm. I feel too, like I loved that, um, that line about the superficial, like going beyond and knowing ourselves more intimately and deeply than the superficial, because how many of us would describe ourselves as like the superficial things, you know, by our occupation or by our interests, by our, even our gifts and talents, but like, we don't go deeper than that. Like, like who, who is Monica? I would probably just start listing things that I like and things that I do. And that's, that's superficial. That doesn't go deep into the experience of who is Monica. Right. And, um, and yeah, and his challenge of like, how can you more intimately know yourself? Part of that is to appreciate the fact that the Redeemer came for you and loves you. And that's just like, wow, because it makes it personal. It personalizes it. It, it goes beyond the superficial and it goes, it goes into, into the, like the deepness of who 
like who you really are. And, um, and that like in marriage, like that's, that's part of the vocation is to like our holiness is, is our vocation and it's through marriage that we get to that. Right. And our spouse is supposed to start revealing ourselves to us and we're challenged to reveal ourselves to our spouse so that we can be loved intimately and deeply as like an image of the way that Christ loves us. Well, and I think, I think the part in the middle there um, about how we must appropriate and assimilate the whole reality of the incarnation and redemption. I think that sounds, that's like very uh, not accessible language for most people, mm. um, but like assimilating, like taking the incarnation and redemption for our own. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and again, not like, not, not for, humanity not for the church but like individually like we assimilate the incarnation and, re- and redemption so like what jesus did on the cross for us is was for me um and then um sorry that was appropriate so we so to appropriate the redemption and the and and the incarnation to take it for myself and then assimilate to to know it to come to really understand what was done for me that we do that in order to find ourselves which is like, which I think most of us are on a, in our life's journey, like we want to understand ourselves. Like I, I know that there's a lot of like Eastern religions that like, that will say that they're going to give you full knowledge of yourself and, and be able to, to know the deep secrets of the universe. Um, and what St. John Paul is saying is that like, for those of us that are, that feel a little lost on who we are, um, we are, should be drawing to Christ and then looking to appropriate and assimilate the incarnation and redemption so that we can find out who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you, if you appropriate the incarnation and then redemption, so like if you fully take what Christ did and say, okay, he did this for me and then fully come to understand what was actually done specifically for you, um, that, that, that kind of action d- demands a response. Mm-hmm. Um, and it demands a, a, an intimate response of like, okay, you came to do this for me, me that has all this junk, all these things, you came to do it for me and you came to take this away because now you understand the theology of it. Um, and then that should then permeate to everything else you do. So like mm-hmm. as a person who has assimilated and appropriated the redemption, you should not be afraid to to voice who you are to other people mm-hmm. um, because the person that, that's voicing this is one that's fully loved by God, by, by Christ, the redeemer who has come to, um, to, to save you from your sins and, and chose chosen to die on the cross for you. So therefore you are worth enough to say to your husband, Hey, I don't like when this happened or, or to your wife, like, Hey, I, I, I struggle when this happened in, in our relationship or say to your friends, Hey, I, I don't like this. Or can we do this more often? Um, because a person who, who, who actually is founded in and stands in the foundation of how loved they are by God should feel free enough to be able to voice themselves to the other. And and for most of the people that I think listen to this, because they have similar human experiences to us, we don't live like that because mm-hmm. I, and I would argue, and I think St. John Paul's kind of pushing or, or alluding to this is that like, if our feet aren't fully in the redemption and in the incarnation and the reality that God loves us, um, that's the reason why we're not advocating for ourselves because we don't think we're worth advocating for because we don't think that um, our burdens are worth being carried. And that's not true. Look at what Christ has done for you. Mm-hmm. I, the thing that I kind of was thinking about in that, in that midsection was um, the, the whole reality of the incarnation and redemption, right? So I think Christmas and Easter, right? And, he then bears fruit not only in adoration of God, 
but also deep wonder at himself. I think so often we stop at the like, oh, Christmas and Easter and bear fruit in adoration of God. So we're like, okay, thank God for Christmas and Easter. Like, thank God that Jesus was created and that he came to earth and that he died on the cross for everybody. He died on the cross for me. I praise God for that. You know, God is so good. God is so great. And that's where we stop. And that's like a good thing, right? Like to, like that. that is faith, right? That's having faith that God exists, God is real, God is love. But to then, like, it, it, we're challenged to go further, to appropriate and to assimilate a deep wonder at ourselves, right? And I think that we need to, like, to, to bring in that wholeness of this human experience and this experience of relationship with God. Um, the God who came... And, and he did those things not just for us, but also because of us. Like, oh, God loves us so much. But like, he also did, like, he also had to come and die because of us as well. Right. And I think one thing, but um, I was recently reading um, a thing that Pope Francis was saying. I don't think that, uh, I know as controversial as Pope Francis is, I think there's a lot of things that he writes and says that go largely unread because you know, not enough Catholics have time to read every single general audience that he's he's ever um, written. But one of the things he says is that at the end of our day, um, he really pushes the examine, right? And it makes sense with his spirituality. But like he says that at the end of the day to reflect on not just like what happened to me that day, but specifically like how did God move within me that day? Um, and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with everything we've been talking about of, of really reflecting like what are the movements that God is doing within me? Because because that we are, you know, the dignity that we have and, and that we're supposed to assimilate and, and take the, the redemption into, into ourselves. We should also consider in our, at the end of the day, how, how was Jesus moving in that incarnation and redemption within me throughout this day? Cause I think we don't take enough moments to, to consider how God is working in our lives. Um, and, and in those moments that we're allowing him to, to, to reveal to us how he's been moving and working during our day, that's how he reveals us to ourselves. And I don't know, I think, and he, and he, Pope Francis ends it with saying, like, we need to tell Jesus everything, right? Like that we, in, in that conversation at the end of our day, like we need to let him know, like, I don't know how, we, you, you know, this is the bad part time I had, you know, for us, like our kids are so sick. Um, and, and a couple of weeks ago, like our kids are super sick, you know, when is this going to end? And like really bringing that to Jesus and, and having him show us where, the redemption is at work in that because I think it's so easy for us to not make those connections and just like, Oh, it's my cross and I'm just suffering. But like, there's, there's a lot of intimate things that God wants to do through the things that are happening with us. Yeah. And he's just waiting. He's just waiting for that invitation for us to invite him into our examine, into our reflection, into our, into our search for ourselves, into our, trying to understand our day, our lives. He's waiting for that invitation so that he can reveal ourselves to us. Um, and I think it's intimidating. We talked about how scary that is to like really start to know ourselves because we don't always love ourselves, but that is where we get to not only have ourselves revealed to us, but then why he came and why he did what he did. And it restores our dignity. It restores our, our worth um, and it's through, it's through things like that, like the, uh, ending the day with an examine, inviting, inviting Jesus into our lives. Um, like JP two said, assimilating and, 
And also to lean into that sacramental grace of our marriage as well, because that is that is more where we are invited to be revealed um, through the eyes of our spouse and through the love that our spouse has for us to to grow in vulnerability and intimacy. Um, these are all invitations that we have and um, for, that Jesus has given to us and for us to invite him into. Yeah, and I think I think just to, to bring it full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning, seeing those moments of of our embarrassment, our 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 feelings of shame of of letting people see that we're weak or that we're not as perfect as we hope we'd be, kind of with, with the with the baby crying and, and like those seeing those opportunities as invitations to to ask why to ourselves and then realize that we don't have the answer and then going to God. Mm-hmm. Um and then also challenging ourselves to to be a little bit more open, a little bit more vulnerable with the people around us and, and to not just, you know, to avoid the death by a thousand cuts and, and be, you know, I, I loved that we got a text today from one of our friends that was just simply asking for prayers for a thing I know they struggle with. Yeah. And just like, yeah, that, like I'm, I'm not looking to deep dive, mm-hmm. like just like, yeah, that's so that we could support you because we are the body of Christ. Like we're supposed to be mm-hmm. united in these things. Um, and like those little little invitations, I think can make such a big difference for for the crosses that we carry and the lives that we live, but in the, the future holiness that, that God is calling us to, and and hopefully it makes our journey to heaven um, clearer, mm-hmm. not necessarily easier, mm-hmm. but like all right, this is where I'm growing. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what an honor it is to walk Absolutely. to walk with people like that, to be included like that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, like you are not a burden. It's yep. it's an honor to love to love you and to pray for you. Um, and it's an honor to love and, and pray for your spouse. So um Yeah. So thank you guys for, for being here. I hope that um we was wasn't too much of a rambling rambling sesh because we didn't know we were gonna record <laughs> and we did it. Um, and in case, like, if you if you are a, a super fan and you want to kind of try to figure out where this happened, this is recorded over the course of two days. Yes. So if you want to find the break, and you if you can message us, the break will send you a book. <laughs> if you can message where you where you see the the break, I'll send you what a book. What a good challenge. Um, and uh, but if and thank you for for being here and supporting us with this. Please leave us a review, rate something, um, and then if you really want to continue to support this mission um, patreon.com slash to become family but as always just thank you for being here and listening and and we appreciate you so much and we'll see you at the next episode see you at the next episode